Isn't Bernard wonderful? Give him a round of applause. We all love Bernard. And uh, he's such a good guy. Um, and where would we be without the Bernards? Uh, I, I'm not going to name the other names, but you as well. And it's just good to see everyone here today. I, I wanted to say it's been beautiful, hasn't it? Just been in the presence of God and just worshipping him and just an emphasis really this morning. Just receiving the person and power of God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I love all the metaphors that we get when we start talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, we're breaching, breaking through glass ceilings. We're putting down umbrellas. There's water bursting up from underneath us. There's all sorts of things. Yesterday I was in the garden with Ben, my youngest son, and Ben suddenly said to me, he said, Dad, there's a white dove just come down behind you. <laughs> and I looked and there was a white dove. And you know, it hung around for around about half an hour as we were gardening, just hung around. And later on in the evening, we had a family meal, and someone said to me, um, Ben was telling the story about the white dove coming around, following Dad around. And, um, and someone then said to me, well, what happened? Where did it go? I said, don't know, I just ignored it. And it went. And as I said it, so I suddenly thought, wow, you know, there's something here, isn't there, about the presence of the Spirit. Because you remember when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove and remained upon him. And there's something for us to learn, I believe, about just guarding that presence of the Spirit and being aware of the presence of the Spirit. I want to encourage every single person engaged with the person and power of God, the Holy Spirit, even though we're preaching, even though we've got into the notices, is to carry on that awareness of the Spirit still being with us and never to lose that. As Rosie said at the end of the worship time she prayed, it's not just for a Sunday morning, it's for all the week. And I want to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning and... You know, the Holy Spirit has many, many titles uh, in Scripture. And one of the, the, the titles, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Adoption. And I want to talk about adoption and what that really means. It's all to do with the Holy Spirit, adoption. But I want to say something. I want to get some word association going with you that might not, first of all, be clear to you. But I'm going to say adoption. I want you to say maturity. All right? And then I'm going to say maturity. You say adoption. Do you get that? Okay, adoption. Maturity. Maturity. You're making the link. It's wonderful. Um, you know, some brought a word to us, didn't she, a few weeks ago uh, about what time is it. And uh, the Lord was asking us if we knew what the time was. And um, I want us to turn, first of all, to Romans chapter 8. So if you can turn in your Bibles to so Romans chapter 8. We're not following the Bible, you know, the, we're starting the New Testament again in September, so we're having a break from following the books of the Bible. But turn to Romans chapter 8, and uh, we're going to read from verse 14. But I want us to understand, just a reminder, when Paul is talking about the sons uh, he's, he's of God, he's, talking, he's meaning daughters and sons, because he all have got inheritance, because only the sons had inheritance rights in, in Roman law of the first century. But let's have a look at it. Anyway, Romans 8. 14 to 17. So it says there, For all who are led by the Spirit of God, is that you? All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. As sons and daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 
And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. Move to verse 22. This is what Sumba brought in that prophetic word as well. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, waiting, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And not only the whole creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters uh, for, for redemption of our bodies. So, Paul writes that creation and we are groaning, waiting for our adoption as sons. It's something we're waiting for, he says, sons and daughters. He then writes that our adoption has, in one sense, already been accomplished in the past. Because in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, he says this, he says, He predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. What time is it, Sumbo brought that word to us? I want us to see today, it's time we realize we're predestined for adoption. And everyone, including the trees and the mountains and the rivers and lakes and forests, all of creation is groaning and just waiting for our adoption as sons and daughters. I say adoption, you say? Now, I want us to understand today, we can make our adoption that's coming, that has happened already in the past, we can make it live in a present reality of our adoption. I'm 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 a very proud father. I've got three children and I'm pleased with all three. Uh, I'd still be their father and still love each one of them, no matter what they looked like, no matter how they behaved, but I'm especially pleased with them as they grow up and mature. Just have a look at this video clip of my youngest son. Uh, How many days? What was it? A week ago, last Thursday. Just watch what happens here. He's the one with the hood that isn't straight. Turn the sound up for this bit. Benjamin Emmett. Kalina Look at him go. That's Sebastian Coe. Not Lord Coe. He's not just shaking hands with anyone. The, 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 the Chancellor of Loughborough University. You could, I, I, and just to be fair to the others. And that, by the way, he got a first class honours degree. From Loughborough University... Uh, accountancy and financial management, they don't give them away there. Only seven out of 120 got the same things that he got. A first-class honours degree. Very, very proud. Stand up, Ben, and have a round of applause. Let's embarrass him. Well done, Ben. Yeah. So, very proud, very proud. Just to be fair to the others, two quick photos. Yeah, John, yeah, after six years of studying medicine, uh, he didn't get a first-class honours, but never mind. He did well. Second one... There's Jess, but Manchester University just missed getting the first class. She got a 2-1, but didn't make it to the first. Anyway, we're proud of you, Ben. We're proud of you, Ben. Um, You know, 
every parent has the testimony we heard, we heard this morning, didn't we? Just somebody come and give a testimony. I'm proud, I'm proud. I want everybody to know. My son did well, and he's going to get, you know, he's got like a job ready to start. What a wonderful testimony. How many people here have been to a graduation or know someone who graduated this summer? Put your hand up. It's graduation season, isn't it? Lots of people graduating. You've seen them on Facebook. You've at least clicked like on Facebook for someone that you knew who got graduated. Um, you know, I'm proud of my children. I, I would still love them, no matter what, how they behaved and no matter how they did. I'd still be their father. But I'm especially proud as they grow up and mature. Ben, I'm so glad I don't have to change your nappy. <laughs> I, I'm glad that has come to an end. He changes his own nappy. No, he doesn't have nappies anymore. <laughs> Um, and and I, I'm glad he sleeps through at night because he's living with us at the moment. I'm glad that, you know, he helped me in the garden yesterday. I'm glad when he's in the house because all the technical things to do with computers or internet connections or anything like that, we can pass it on to bed. I'm glad he's growing up and maturing. And that makes me especially proud. I'd always be his father. His graduation, his maturity hasn't changed his relationship with me at all. But I'm proud of him. Um, children are born to bring glory to their fathers and mothers. Uh, if they were still, my three children, if they were still completely selfish, always wanting to be the center of attention only ever thinking of themselves, greedy, unhelpful, demanding, unwilling to share even their thoughts with me, I could not be a proud father today. <laughs> They'd still be my children. Do you get it? Uh, you, if you've confessed Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, by the Holy Spirit, you've been born again from above. You've been, as Michael sang in that wonderful song, born of the Spirit, washed in the blood. That's your story today. And you've been born again to bring glory to your Father to your heavenly Father. It's why you exist. It's why you were born from above to bring glory to him. It's only as you act in a mature way that you do that. There's a spiritual process linked to our maturity called adoption, and it doesn't often click with us as we read our Bibles because we start to think of adoption in Western terms. Um, but I want us today, this morning, just to see adoption in the biblical, in the New Testament way that it was when Paul and others wrote, wrote about it and when the Holy Spirit was called the spirit of adoption. Um, you see, in the centuries of Roman and Greek culture surrounding New Testament times, it was a very different picture, a very different metaphor, adoption, to what we think of it as being today. Uh, when we talk about adoption today, we talk about a child being taken from outside of the family and brought into the family and received and has completely uh, new parents and is brought from outside the family into the family. In the Greek and Roman culture, uh, 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 Greek and Roman culture of New Testament times, 
An option meant something different to that. Yes, it could mean someone being brought from outside the family into the family, but more often and more normally, adoption, the normal process that went through your mind when you talked about adoption in the New Testament, in New Testament times, was the thinking of someone who had already been born into the family, living in the family, growing up in the family, maturing in the family, and then coming to a day when their father could say that that child had matured enough to legally be declared mature and now could be considered not just a child of the father, but an heir of the father and receive all the rights of someone who was going to inherit all that the father had. So, you know, it could happen and you go go and do research on it. It could happen when you normally when you're in your late teens, early 20s. For some, it wasn't until they were in their mid-20s that they reached this stage where the father said, you're now mature and we're going to have a ceremony, a bit like a graduation ceremony, except it was nothing to do with the exams you passed at school. It was to do with father looking at you and saying, you're now mature enough. Let's call in the legal boys. Let's call in them to witness that I am going to declare you are a mature son, a mature daughter, and we're going to have an adoption ceremony. There's going to be a big party and it's going to take place today. And you would realize at that time, if it was Roman culture, you'd have a white, um, you'd have a, a, a white toga, those robes that they wore with a purple thing around the end. When you became a mature son or mature daughter, that was taken off and you just had a fully different one, a white one. And you knew from that moment on, there were document signs, there were papers signed. You knew from that moment on, you were legally declared the heir to what the father had. And you became mature. Um, now... That didn't change your relationship with your father, but it did change your status. You were suddenly now the legal heir to what the father had. Uh, before that ceremony took place, and different people, you can imagine perhaps being, living in a road where, where somebody was matured, your friend was declared, you know, had his adoption ceremony, was 16, but your father still said you weren't mature and you had to keep on waiting until you got to the stage where you were mature and to be declared uh, ad- adopted. Um, But you weren't expected to mature by yourself. In wealthy Roman households, someone would be appointed. And the Greek word for this in the New Testament is paedagogos. Someone would be declared a a, a tutor, a guardian, to look after you. And it's like with you 24-7 virtually, they'd take you to school. It would be an older slave, uh, a more educated slave, more experienced. And they'd look after you. They'd take you to school. They'd watch what you were doing. They'd check who you were making friends with and, and... uh, they would keep watching you until you'd matured and ready to go into the, op- uh, the, the, the adoption ceremony. Now, these tutors um, weren't always cheerful people. So imagine the scene. You're in a Roman family and you've got a paedagogos, you've got a guardian, you've got a tutor watching over you, trying to help you to mature. But they, 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 they had a reputation for nitpicking. And... Their their overbearing nature is summed up by one ancient Greek writer who listed some of their nagging comments that they'd make. They'd say things like, it's it's not proper to stuff yourself. This is what someone wrote thousands of years ago. Don't play dice. Don't be noisy. Your father would never do that. Walk in a seemly way and even cross your legs. There's even, you can go into museums and see ancient vases that are made with pictures, paintings on them with a paedagogos, a guardian, a tutor, 
chasing after one of their, their tutees with a stick in their hand, ready to hit them, ready to beat them, because they had full permission to punish you, to beat you. If you didn't mature quickly enough, they would try and beat you into doing it. In the light of that, so you've got the picture. Yep, you're growing up, you want to mature, and you've got this guardian, this tutor over you. But you're longing for the day. <laughs> you're groaning inwardly. Oh, if only I could be declared mature and have this adoption ceremony. Turn to Galatians chapter 4. And Paul writes there, I mean, I mean that the heir, that's the person who should inherit everything, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Do you see, the child is still the child of the father. But if you were a guest visiting a Roman house and you saw all the children playing, slaves, children, and the heir playing, until there'd been some adoption, you wouldn't know who was the children, who was the child of a slave and who was the child of the, 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 the owner of the property because you couldn't tell the difference. They'd all be the same. Immature children playing around together. There's no difference here in their behavior. The heir is behaving just like another immature child because they haven't grown up yet. But it goes on to say in verse 2, but he is under guardians and managers, these nitpicking tutors, older men who beat you, tell you, nag you. And you see, the father's just waiting, dad's waiting to see whether these tutors are doing their job. Will he mature? When can he have an adoption ceremony for my child and declare him a son with full legal rights? And Paul writes in verse 3 of Galatians 4, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. When we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. So Jesus was sent by the Father to enable us to receive adoption. Jesus was sent so that we could be set free by living in slavery to the elementary principles of this world so that we could live differently, so that we could live holy lives. Jesus was sent so that we could be declared holy, righteous, mature, spirit of adoption poured out so that we could be declared those who are legal heirs, not enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. And because, verse 6, because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir 
through God. This is wonderful news for us. This is wonderful news for people who are struggling today with sinful habits and you don't sleep at night. You wish you could get set free from that. You think, when will I ever mature as a Christian? When will I ever be strong enough? When will I ever be brave enough to put my head on my pillow at night and know I've lived holy throughout the day, but I'm living as a mature believer. I'm not living in any sinful condition. God has sent his son. And the Son has sent the spirit of adoption in you so that you can grow up and be set free from being enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. This is good news today. You see, if you lived in the old covenant, the Bible teaches that you still had a paedagogos. You still had a tutor to help you to live in a holy sort of lifestyle. And Paul writes about it again in Galatians 3, verse 24 and 25. He says there, talking about the way they used to live in the old covenant, he said, the law, the old covenant law was our guardian, was our tutor until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. But now faith has come, we no longer need We're no longer under a guardian tutor. Remember what the tutor was like in Greek Roman times in the first century. Don't do this. Don't do that. You should cross your legs. Don't play dice. Don't do. Don't do. Don't do. An old man or an old woman, if you're a a girl, just standing outside of you telling you, don't do that. You should do this. You should do that. In the old covenant, Paul says the law was just like that. The law was like that. The law would tell you what you were doing wrong. The law would tell you what you should do. You can read it. I don't know how many laws there are in the Old Covenant. You can read them. And that's the way people used to live until Christ came. You see, the old man, the old experienced slave didn't really help you. He just told you what you were doing wrong. He told you what you should do. Uh, and, and the law in the Old Covenant didn't really help people. The law just explained to people that they were sinners, that they were missing the mark. The law didn't really help. But under the New Covenant, things change. And we live in, Hebrews tells us, a much better covenant. And in the New Covenant, we don't rely on just a list of regulations that we look at each day. Oh, no, I failed. Oh, no, I failed. I've done wrong. I've done wrong. In the New Covenant, we no longer have an impersonal tutor. We have somebody. We have a person who helps us to lead us to maturity. You see, something wonderful happened. When Jesus died, when he was resurrected, and when he ascended to heaven, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He sat down at the right hand of majesty on a throne with his Father. And Ezekiel, when we were going through the book of Ezekiel, you might have noticed when you read it at the start, Ezekiel in those, uh, that opening chapter, he has a vision of living beings and, and a rainbow and, and, and living creatures there surrounding a throne in heaven. And, uh, and yet in, John, in Revelation, John sees a sea of glass. And there's this separation from heaven and earth. And and Ezekiel's confused as he looks and he sees. And he sees seated on the throne in heaven is someone with human appearance. Not 
a mysterious spirit, not a mysterious God, but someone just like me, just like you. Do you understand when Jesus came and was born and and, and took on flesh, he still kept that flesh. He took on humanity. He's still 100% God, 100% man. And he ascended into heaven and has kept his humanity, but it's a glorified humanity. It's the ultimate that we are one day going to be like. And he sits on the throne and the Holy Spirit at that time, do you remember in John 7, 37, 39, Jesus said, you know, last the greatest day of the feast, anyone's thirsty, come to me and rivers of water will flow out from their inner being, come and drink. He says, and, 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 and John writes, by this he meant the Spirit, as the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So that pouring out of the person and power of God, the Holy Spirit, could only be given once Jesus, once there was somebody like me, like you, in their humanity, glorified, sat on the throne. Then the Holy Spirit could be poured out and start to do a walk. And the Holy Spirit could come and start looking at us and saying, I can now, just like a sculptor, you give Michelangelo a piece of clay. You know full well that piece of clay is going to be something wonderful. You give it to Donatello, you give it to, 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 to you know, Pablo Picasso, whoever. You know they're going to take something beautiful and make that piece of clay into something beautiful. We're clay in the potter's hands and the Holy Holy Spirit can come and look at us and look at a glorified Jesus sat on the throne and say, I now know what I'm making you into. It's not just a better, it's not just a better deli. It's a deli who's just like the man on the throne. It's not just a better John. It's, it, it, it's a John who's just like the man on the throne. And the Holy Spirit comes and says, yeah, I'm going to fashion you. I'm going to mold you. I'm going to make you spirit of the living God. What's some old songs we sang this morning? Fantastic. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. There's another verse that says, fill me, mold me, break me. Do what you want with me. The Holy Spirit comes and takes us as lumps of claims. I'm going to make you into something beautiful. Absolutely wonderful. I'm going to make you just like the glorified son. You see, life under the law, you are subject to the nagging tutor. Uh, but the spirit, now a person, please don't call the Holy Spirit a nit. It is a law. The Holy Spirit is a person, comes and lives on us in the inside. And instead of us having an outside law imposed upon us, There's an internal power released within us who helps us and empowers us. This power imparted by the person of God, the Holy Spirit. I can do that. I can live in holiness. I can avoid that temptation. I can live holy because I've got the spirit of adoption in me. I can mature very quickly. Um, You see... You see, Ezekiel again just has a picture of it in Ezekiel 36, 27, when he prophesies something that's going to happen that he never saw, when he said, I will put my spirit within you and cause you and move you into my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You see, the Holy Spirit isn't out there nagging, don't stuff yourself, your father would never do that, but is in here lovingly, graciously moving us to listen, to obey. He is such an excellent helper for maturity. 
That's the name Jesus gave him. John 14, John 15, John 16. In all those three chapters, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit and calls the Holy Spirit the helper. Put your hand on your heart. Do you understand if you're a born again believer, you've got the Holy Spirit living in you and he's there to help you come to maturity. Feel his presence now. Even while I'm still talking, just feel his presence. Feel, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're living inside of me. It's great not having someone nag you and tell you what you're doing wrong. Someone helping you to do what's right. And that's who the Holy Spirit is. You know, school teachers, school teachers, any school teachers just stand up. We should give them a round of applause. They've just started their holidays. Give them a round of applause. School teachers, school teachers, give them a round. Oh, don't they do a wonderful job? We love you, school teachers. We've all got memories of school teachers, haven't we? They have a tremendous influence on your life. And there's some wonderful teachers around. I remember my daughter, Jess, had a variety of teachers in her time at secondary school and, and there's one in particular I will never forget. Um, as we'll always remember her as being an outstanding teacher. You see, one of the highlights of Jess's time at secondary school was um, when in year 10 she became, I'm so proud of my kids, when she became the national champion, biathlon champion, that's swimming and running for year 10 girls at secondary school. National, not, not local, national champion. Got a gold medal. Um, and when she was at primary school, I went to the sports day events, I watched her, I saw her fall over in the sack race and come last, that's true, I really did. No one spotted her ability, no, there was nothing, in her PE reports, she got the reports done, nothing noticed. When she got to secondary school, one teacher, Mrs. Brooking was her name, one teacher saw something in Jess and said, you know what, if you train hard, you can be a, you can be a champion. You're going to be a champion. You're going to make it. Someone believed in her. And that little girl who had fallen over in the sack race, and I saw her and come last, and a bit of a shamed look on her face when she came to see her dad. That little girl, I was there too when she went and picked up a gold medal for year 10 national biathlon champion. All because somebody kept telling her, you can do it, you can make it, you're a champion, keep training, keep working, keep going, you're going to make it, you're going to do it. You know, the helper inside of you today looks at you and says, you're a champion, you're going to make it. The helper inside of you, there's people here and it's like you've fallen over in a sack race. It's like you feel you've messed up. I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to get the gold. I'm never going to do it. Dave, it's great all that you're saying, but it's just going right over my head because I struggle with internet pornography. I struggle with this pride in me that I know there, and I hate it when I just feel I have to be the center of attention when I go into a room. I hate it that I don't always tell the truth and I feel bad. I don't sleep well at night because of this. I, I struggle with this. I struggle... The Holy Spirit within you today says, you're a champion. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. He believes in you. Just like Mrs. Brooking seemed to believe in Jess more than she. The Holy Spirit believes in you and says, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. He is such a wonderful helper 
Uh, he wants to bring the best out of you. Uh, and he says, I'm going to work with you night and day. Uh, I'm never going to give up on you. You're going to make it in terms of your practical daily holiness. You're a lump of clay. And this is, if you look at what Donatello or Michelangelo or Pablo Picasso could make with a lump of clay, what the Holy Spirit can do with you is something far, far superior. He says, I'm going to make you just like that glorified son. He is the spirit of adoption. The adoption ceremony, the graduation party is getting closer. It doesn't matter what your track record has been up until now. You just start. Next week, we're going to carry on with this. And we're going to look at lessons that the Holy Spirit, as our helper, gives us to accelerate our maturity. But right now, I just want us to close our eyes and, and, and to realize that the Holy Spirit is, is within us. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received, says Paul. You have received, says the Holy Spirit through inspired scripture. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Do you understand that Abba, Father thing gets so misunderstood by so many people. It's not about going to God as a little child saying, Daddy God. It's about a mature son, and it's such a hard word to translate. It's a mature son, a mature daughter, going to the father who's declared them mature and saying, yeah, I've got this intimacy as prophetic word came. I've got this intimacy. I've got this relationship with you, not as a, a child in nappies, but as a mature son, as a mature daughter. I, I share my thoughts with you. I share my heart with you. You speak to me. I know your voice because I'm mature. I've been called into something more. You know, we're all at different levels, different stages in terms of our practical holiness. But in terms of who we really are, we're all totally the same. John writes this in 1 John 4, 17. He says, as he is, talking about Jesus, sat on the throne, as he is, so also are we in this world. That's the lump of clay you are just like Jesus, and, and, and you're being fashioned, you're being molded to be like him. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the truth of your word. We pray we will get this. We pray we'll understand it. Holy Spirit, reveal it to us that you call us not to be little children uh, entangled into the elementary principles of this world like slaves, but we're called to be set free. We thank you for a graduation party that's coming, Lord, for every one of us who owns your name and has confessed you as Lord. We thank you that, as Paul writes, he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Lord, we speak now against discouragement over people's lives. We say, let hope arise. Let hope be alive in each life, Lord. Where people have given up on certain areas of sinful habits or whatever, Lord, we release hope. We release the truth of your word that the Holy Spirit within them is not condemning them, that the Holy Spirit within them is telling them, you're going to make it. You're a champion. You're going to be holy. You're going to be righteous. You're going to be different. Because the Son, of the, the Son of God has sent his Holy Spirit just to make you like him. So Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness and for your word to us. Amen.